0: Hey Andrew. Hey Greg. So it we we didn't watch any Evangelion. I swear to God, I I did not watch Evangelion, no matter how many times I found myself staring at the Netflix menu, thinking about what I want to put on while I fold laundry or shine shoes or whatever. And I looked at that Evangelion and I said, maybe I'll take another run at it. And I said, no, uh-huh. no, you've seen enough. Just watch Toast of London for the eighth time. And that's what I did. Did you watch any Evangelion?
1: No, I don't believe that you didn't watch any, but gonna let, let it slide for now. Uh, <laughs> yes, we're done. We finished it. Our brains turned to mush by achieving true human instrumentality, but they have reformed and we are back to discuss some random things.
0: Yeah, we're just going to just old school reality alternative. We're just going to babble on for 90 minutes about... All the shit we've watched or read or played uh, in in the intervening weeks. And since you and I haven't talked about any of this stuff in like two months, we've got a pretty big backlog of
1: shit to talk about. Yeah. And then we might lead into uh, talking about some Watchmen. Yeah. But we'll leave that to the end in case people aren't watching it and want to skip it or haven't watched it yet and don't want to get spoiled. We'll make it obvious when we're going to kick into that.
0: But hey, um I guess... And and I'm just going to speak for you right now, but if you're listening to this and aren't watching Watchmen, you're fucking up. Go catch up on Watchmen.
1: Uh, If you would have asked me two years ago or a year ago, whenever the fuck this was announced, that you would be saying that at this point, I would not have put down any money on that. Hey,
0: look, I'm as surprised as you are, buddy, but we'll (laughs) save it till the end. We are going to talk about Watchmen, but if you're not, you know, watching Watchmen, because I don't know, you suck at being a person um, and, and you don't know what what Good stuff is good, uh, you don't have to
1: listen to that part now. Uh, looks like Greg, you want to talk about something that was not good. Well, oh, yeah, so I watched <laughs> a lot of movies this weekend
0: because, um, my, my daughter was success took on a weekend two naps in a row, Saturday and Sunday, uh, which is unprecedented, which meant I had a lot of time to like kind of take care of some, you know, Greg stuff, which meant, uh, catching up on some shoe care. So I wanted to put something on the TV and originally I was like, Oh, this is a great opportunity to watch some Ookie spooky movie. And we've been paying for showtime in order to watch, uh, on becoming a God in central Florida, which is a good show. Um, but I was like, Oh, let's see what Spooky spooks, uh, showtime has. And I landed on something that was not an Ookie spook, but something I've been curious about, uh, which is the 2018 dark tower movie yikes oh it's as bad as everyone said it was and i knew it was going to be <laughs> bad i had very low expectations for this but i was just curious in much the way i was curious when i watched uh, the 2017 mummy the tom cruise mummy movie i was like i know this is gonna be good but i just kind of have to see how um the dark tower was exceedingly bad i really enjoyed most of the dark tower series the stephen king uh, fantasy series that kind of established the Stephen King like expanded universe, so to speak. Um, although it is a frustrating series of books, a very flawed series of books, but I was curious about this. Um, and I wish I could say it was a squandered opportunity, but I can't even do that. It's just, it's just bad. It, it, it's just a bad, bad movie. And, um, you don't need to see it, even if you like the Dark Tower stuff. Although you probably know this because this movie came out a while ago. And um, I just wanted to talk about how bad Dark Tower was and why they put Matthew McConaughey in a wig. I don't understand. <laughs> and um, there's so many genuinely cool things in the Dark Tower that uh, they papered over with dumb shit. And interestingly, like Dark Tower, the Dark Tower series ends in kind of a cyclical way as though we are going through some kind of time loop, but the main character Roland, like when he, at the, at the end of uh, spoiler alert for at the end of the dark tower, like I guess 10 years later, um, the, the series, the book series, he comes out of it, you know, comes out of the loop. So you start kind of, you're back at the beginning of the series, But he now has an item in his possession that he he didn't have before. So there's this feeling of like, oh, it's this kind of almost video game like new game plus mode. And there were some hints in the marketing for this that it was that this was, oh, this is further. This is a a further along loop than the book series. So some things might be different. I was like, all right, fine. That's a great way of giving yourself some permission. But uh, nope, dumb,
1: just dumb and bad. Well, that's a shame. I think they're still moving forward with the show, although I think originally it was supposed to be tied to this, and it was no longer going to be tied to this. But uh, I think it's on Amazon. I want to say.
0: I mean, yeah, give it a
1: shot. I mean, I I, I think that uh, truthfully,
0: one thing that this sh- that this movie kind of got right was the um was the kind of pr- production design, visual design of Midworld, which is the kind of alternate fantasy world that uh, that takes place in. Which, for some reason, this movie actually spends very little time in. They come back to real New York because, ugh, dumb. Um, Because it's cheaper. (laughs) Yes. And for some reason, like, oh, it's not dumb and people aren't going to like it unless buildings they know are in danger. Um, (laughs) uh, But, uh, so, I don't know. I mean, I guess, whatever. Keep trying to do this. I mean, look, he didn't get the books right on the first try. Might as well try, try again with some movies and TV
1: shows. I mean, at this point, Amazon's throwing money to everything, so yeah. See what happens. Uh, Speaking of, uh, I mean, I was really convinced that at some point this was just gonna like fall apart. But Greg, they are filming a Wheel of Time show actively right now. I know, (laughs) I I know. I I keep
0: waiting for them to like for it to be like some kind
1: of cruel jock prank, right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like some um,
1: some guy invited me to his house in high school and was like, "Yeah, man, we're gonna watch like Little Rain's." Be like, "Oh, cool, man!" I get there and they just like dump my books and give me a swirly and it's like, "Oh man!" Yeah,
0: exactly. Like when wheel of, when the Wheel of Time show comes out, it's just gonna be sports sports center. Oh god.
1: Uh yeah, so I mean yeah, they're filming in Europe and uh it's it's happening. So I guess given production rates, we probably have Wheel of Time show by like next year, like hey, sometime in the next year. Theoretically, I mean, is it is is there anybody? Do they have any like um? Big names in the casting yet? So, um, oh God, now I'm blank on her name. Uh, she was the, she was a, she played the woman in Gone Girl. Uh, she also, I think has been in the Mission Impossible movies. Um, yeah, oh gosh. I got nothing. She's playing Moraine, like, and I guess they're anchoring the story around Moraine, who is okay. effectively the Gandalf of the story at the beginning. Sure. Um, and the guy who's running it is... He, the showrunner is like a nobody, effectively. I mean, he did some stuff on uh for Agents of Shield, but that's about it. But apparently, he's a diehard fan, and the only other information we really have is that Brandon Sanderson has read some of the scripts, or at least the outlines of the scripts, and says that you know he really likes what the direction they're going. He's like, they're making a lot of changes because they kind of have to because. Well, it's an old book series and also it's long as fuck.
0: And also, you know, they really need to separate this from Lord of the Rings as much as they can.
1: Yeah, they're doing that interesting way, I think, by like, uh, like the cast is all very diverse, um, Mm -hmm. you know, which is interesting. And it people it's really been an interesting conversation on the Internet because a lot of people, you know, there's the typical just like, but it's not what I imagined in my head. And like in the books, it was like this, blah, blah, blah. But really. People, someone, I think Tor, I'll have to find it then, we can link it in the show notes, Tor did a really good article, or the guy basically painstakingly went through and was just like, they rarely mention these people's skin tones. Also, there's sort of a big plot, it's not a spoiler, basically, it's like, at some point, the world got all, like, jumbled up, like, puzzle pieces, and that's a really good reason to have people of different, like... You know, because people could get all like, well, that wouldn't happen that way, whatever. But like there's an actual in-universe explanation for like why you'd have varying skin, co- skin tones and things across this, you know, big continent. So yeah, I think it's I mean, overall, it hasn't been as shitty because it's not usually people who are into fantasy books like this are not quite as toxic as, say, your average like Star Wars or Marvel fan. But uh, yeah, so I'm just really interesting. Uh, Rosamund Pike is the actress's name. Okay, um, yep, yep, yep. So she's sort of, like, the only star All The rest are all, like, effectively kids. Sure, so, sure. Um, which is fine. That's kind of a good thing for this show. But I'm, like, cautiously optimistic. I don't know. I mean, Amazon seems to, like, put out good stuff mostly. So. Yeah, I mean, the boys was good. Yeah? Want to talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about the boys. Um. The, the boys was really good. Yeah, I was hesitant because I was just like... I don't know. Garth Enis is so hit or miss and Ooh. just like yeah. very much of a time. Ooh, yes. Maybe not of a time. I don't know. No. An outlier in a time. No, <laughs>
0: no. I mean, uh, so yeah, his style was, you know, kind of unique when it happened and came to define much of like the 90s like... Um, not quite grimdark, but, you know, vaguely satirical, over-the-top violence, etc., etc. Um, but, uh, he never quite grew out of that, or (laughs) moved on from that. Um, but yeah, I was skeptical too, for the same reasons, and, because I read a good chunk of the comic series, um, a while back, and I was like, this is good, but also it just feels, sometimes it just feels a little too like uh, just like gratuitous and just like oh I'm really being shocking with this but not really having anything to say and then the marketing for the show was really like Really driving home like, Ugh, these aren't your standard superheroes, man. <laughs> like, this isn't your daddy's superhero show. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this. But then on your recommendation, I gave it a shot. And it is very, very, very good. Better than
1: the comics, I would say, so far. Yeah, I mean, I was, when I saw that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg were making it, I was like, all right, I mean, these guys made Preacher. And while I haven't kept up with it, I liked the first season of that show a lot and they seem to be they seem to generally do a pretty good job uh minus green hornet i'm uh, hmm. gonna ignore that but it also was being you know just developed by eric kripke who also made like the first five seasons of supernatural which are the best so i was like you know what there's some talent behind this and carl urban's always fun to watch do something and be kind of silly so i was like let's give it a show give it a shot and it was short i think it's only like what like eight episodes yeah, yeah. so it's like all right well this isn't a big uh investment and you know, amazon was just like Fucking pushing it, man. It's just I yeah. saw ads for this everywhere. I mean, it's probably some targeted things for me as well, but still. uh But yeah, I was just like shocked at how much I enjoyed it. I was just re- it really pulled me in. I thought that the world they made, like the tone, it, it felt a little tree Where it's just like it's dark, but it's also kind of goofy. But also like it's it has a message, and the message is. The military industrial complex is fucked up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel like it's almost like Preacher was their warm up for this. Where I think with Preacher they learned like, okay, here's how we can streamline and update the like plot line, but still be fairly faithful to the ideas that are important. Like I feel like they they got they figured all that out with Preacher, and then they were like, okay, what if we did everything we did with Preacher in terms of adapting it. In an interesting way, but also had something to say, (laughs) because the problem, I think, with Preacher is in 2019, Preacher doesn't have much to say. Like Preacher's critiques of Christianity are pretty old hat by now. (laughs) So unless you're going to update that a little bit, um, Preacher doesn't really have anything to say in, you know, in today's world and but with the boys they took um they took what was almost just this kind of jokey like eh, what if superheroes were what like it's like watchmen where superheroes are as like they're all like normal human people but we're gonna t- dial it up a notch and it's not just that they're normal people with flaws they're just all titanic assholes um and like haha i get it oh 100 issues um uh <laughs> unnecessary but, but but where this was much more about like you know, yeah, again, the military-industrial complex and um, the idea of, oh, the way that the superheroes end up being so insouciant about human life and collateral damage, you're like, oh, that's the way that, that they're using that as a critique for, you know, the military thing. And it's like, oh, you found something to say. Fantastic. And also what is even more subversive is... Subtly, because this show isn't as much of a critique of like Marvel movies as the marketing made it seem, but the way that it twists together the idea of using superheroes to build a culture that's more supportive of military intervention,
1: you're like, oh, that, huh...
0: Yeah, huh. it was interesting
1: because some of the first things that some of the first earlier views I read were kind of like not super positive and were like, oh, it's trying to critique our superhero culture. It doesn't do a good job. I'm like, and then I watched it, I'm like, it's not really trying to do that. It's it's doing a couple different things, but, you know, I just felt it was really poignant right now. With just like the evil people are like this. Is this like. Large, which I find ironic that Amazon is making it this like large yeah. multi industry, you know, international conglomerate corporation that is doing all kinds of fucked up things in order to get more money and right. to get military contracts and to get, you know, because one of the big, you know, plots is that there's a lot going on that to try and get superheroes to serve actively f- for the United States military. Right. And, you know, but even, you know, it's like, so it's doing that well. I thought that. The characters and the acting was like pretty solid all around. Like, yeah. there's some weird side plots that like are somewhat goofy, but also still kind of fucked up. Um, and they also just make superheroes legitimately terrifying. Like, yes, the guy they have playing Homelander is oh boy. is scary, like legitimately yes. scary. And I don't know, it just it just feels really good. So I, I think that if they can keep up what they're doing, like this could this could have legs.
0: Yeah, I really like the. I mean, Homelander is done exceptionally well, and I think that they really bring a lot to that character that the comics couldn't, Um, where you get the, you really do get an impression of, like, what it would be like to live in a world with these people in it, and not only do they have the, that they can kill you with a glance if they wanted to, and there would be no repercussions, you know, and... Like, that fear, like, it does make you feel like, oh boy, no, it would be terrifying if these people were real. I don't think I would want this at all. Um, right. <laughs> and then
1: uh, the airplane scene, yeeps. Yeah. Oof, that was tough to watch. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and and the, the, you know, won't spoil it, but the end, the last sequence. Yeah. The twist slash kind of cliffhanger, which is like, oh, okay, well this is going a different direction than I thought it was going to go and then kind of does it again to you. And you're like, wow, it's just, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. So like I said, once again, it's like, I feel like if, I mean, no, no channel or whatever we're calling things today, what are we calling things? Channel services? I don't know. Uh, they're never going to have a hundred percent, you know, win rate, but a lot of stuff on Amazon I've watched so far has been pretty solid and doesn't seem to have quite the Netflix effect where Netflix is just like, let's just make a show every single day forever. (laughs) And just by math, some of them will turn out to be good. Yep. Um, Where Amazon seems to be a little bit more like Jeff Bezos' pet projects as well as just some other good things. Because I also watched, um, have you watched Fleabag? No, but everyone says I should yeah it's been obviously very popular it was like I started up people talking about it you know the woman behind it won a bunch of awards so on some recommendations we watched it and you know the first season I was like okay this is good but I don't see what what the big deal is and then but in the second season I liked a lot it has Andrew Scott in it who played uh Moriarty on Sherlock oh no kidding and he, and he's a weirdo of course Um, that's his job yeah it's very british very i guess people who are into theater and like drama it's a lot from that that they find interesting Hmm. um so it's also pretty pretty short uh very short season very short episodes so it was enjoyable like i said second season for me stood out a lot more to the first season but um maybe i'm just not picking up on everything i should be but but yeah so amazon track record is holding up for me i also watched the most recent eight season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was put on Netflix, uh, which is now the confirmed second to last season, because they're doing one more season. They decided to go a little shorter this route instead of saying, like, we're going to do, I think the show, for some reason, there's this rumor or confirmed rumor that, like, Disney or Marvel TV at some point told ABC, you're not allowed to cancel this show. Huh. Ever, basically. So, this show probably, I mean, I generally like most of it, but I probably, this show probably should have been canceled like three or four seasons ago. I but feel like it has been. No, it's, this is the second last season. So they cut it down from like, you know, the typical 23, you know, network television thing to like, I think they did 16 episodes or 13 episodes, something like that. And it definitely helped have a little more of a driving plot line. And they're setting up for this last season, which I'm not actually sure if they're doing that. Uh, I assume they're doing another truncated season, but you can also tell that like, they had a lot more money to spend on them special effects this time around because things looked a lot better because <laughs> there's like they're like in space and doing all this different stuff. So it was it was fine. I liked once again, this is one of those shows that I think always does a really good job in the first half and then kind of shits to bed in the second half. But hmm. uh, that just seems to be a, a common trend with some of these longer running, like, you know, the more traditional style, like 23 episode, 40 minute. Yeah. You know, it's just I think they just like run out of steam. So it's just so much time to fill. So, but they had an interesting, like, pretty nested storyline, and I, I enjoyed that. So, if people are into it, it's out there. Uh, who knows how long, because you hear the news that Jeff Loeb is out at Marvel TV. Yeah. Um, kind of coming right off the news that figgy has been promoted to Chief Creative Officer, which is a pretty cool title. Yes, yeah, sure. If you're into S- C-suite titles. Um, still kind of figuring out what all this means, but... Basically, the sounds of it is that like they canceled some of those Hulu shows they're going to do, like the Ghost Rider show. I think they're still doing the Hellstrom show. Um, I, you know, their Age of Shields is going to be done. I always tell the Netflix shows are done. So it seems like they're trying to maybe pare down some of the live action content and just shift it all towards Disney Plus with Feggy at control of everything and probably trying to be more, trying to integrate more with uh, the MCU. They also canceled that um, freeform Cloak and Dagger show. And I imagine. I didn't even realize that was on the air. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will imagine we'll probably get. Uh, I think this third season of you know Runaways on Hulu is coming out soon, but I imagine that'll be the last one. Oof, there is just um, too much. There is too much. So too much. Too much. But you watch some TV. It looks like.
0: Oh yeah, I did. Um. So I guess the thing that I'm most interested in is uh, season two of Castle Rock on hulu um i watched season one it's kind of their stephen king mashup show um it takes place in kind of a fictional version of maine that is a mashup of the settings of a lot of stephen king books um shawshank prison as in the shawshank redemption is in the town um And there are characters in the show that have been mentioned or have appeared in other Stephen King books, although sometimes it's just a reference to them. It's not necessarily all canon. And to give you an example of how it's not all canon. So this new season um, seems to be focused around um, the character of Annie Wilkes, who was played by Kathy bates in the movie misery you haven't Mm. seen misery have you i haven't but i know i've seen the you know the famous clips sure misery takes place misery is about a um a crazy woman who uh ends up nursing her favorite author back to health after finding him in a car crash um he has just finished his recent novel in her favorite series but he has killed the main character so she tortures him into writing a new book where she comes back to life um that movie and book takes place in the 80s this show about a younger annie wilkes takes place in 2019 (laughs) so but that's okay i mean it's not trying to establish a real like continuity i think it's just kind of like hey we're just doing some stephen king shit so get on board and i'm like sure i'm on board and uh, Annie Wilkes is played by Lizzie Kaplan. You know Lizzie Kaplan? Mm, Party Down? Oh, yes. Also Mean Girls. Yes. And a bunch of other things. She's fantastic in it. She's doing a great job of referencing Kathy Bates's performance a little bit, but also bringing in, like, this is like an Elseworlds version of the character, so she's kind of bringing her own spin to it. Um and she's also a sympathetic character, but she's also incredibly mentally unstable and a murderer. Um, already, before episode one, she's a murderer. It's really good. Uh, so far, they've released three episodes, maybe four by the time we record this. Uh, I've watched all three. It's, it's good, but I feel like... There's a big similarity between Castle Rock and American Horror Story in that the first couple episodes you're like, yeah, this is great. I really like what they're doing. What a cool premise. What great actors. What great design, etc., etc., etc. And then by episode like three or four, they just start adding more and more elements on top of it, and you're like, wait, what? There's aliens now? What the fuck? That was season two of American Horror Story, but um, so it just kind of I'm kind of like, where are you guys going with this? Because And apparently it is an anthology series now because it does not pick up after season one. It's just like, here's some new stuff. I'm like, okay. But uh, I I definitely think it's worth watching. Um, I would say for you as a person who tends to avoid the ookies and the spookies, it's not too scary. Um, There's definitely some gory elements and it's more kind of unsettling and... um, Maybe feels more like a supernatural mystery show than a horror show,
1: but I'm enjoying it. Hmm, Interesting. I, you know, once again, I always see it pop up because Amazon, but wait, is it Amazon? Hulu. Hulu. Yes. Because ads and things, but, um, interesting. I always found the whole, like, I would probably find it very frustrating. Like the Stephen King, like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of all connected, but not really. And it's like, mostly references and cameos as opposed to actual, like, you know whatever but oh yeah it is totally uh, um a lot of it is
0: shaping an extended universe after the fact um his his extended universe started out probably not accidentally much like lovecraft's where he would just occasionally throw in a name or a place in something else that referred to another one not really having a concept of how they connected but just like yeah. Wouldn't it be kind of neat if that, you know, that cop we met in that last book is also in this book, you know, mm-hmm. um, and in, and in, you know, in the, in recent years, they've tried more and more to connect a lot of these dots and, um, they were never meant to connect.
1: <laughs> gotcha. Interesting. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, um, it's, it's fun.
0: It's a good show. And might again, check it out at some point. Lizzie Kaplan is doing a great job in it. Um, uh, Tim Robbins is also in it and is, is doing really good. Um, so. Yeah.
1: Speak, speaking of the Oogie Spookies, you've been watching some Sabrina?
0: Yeah. So I, I watched I a couple a couple episodes into Sabrina on Netflix. Um, you know, it, it's that time of year. And, and you've just been saying good things about it over and over again. So I um, popped it on. Um, I'm liking it. It's it's doing a really good job of threading a very difficult needle. <laughs> Which is to create a convincing world where witchcraft and a physical manifestation of Satan are relatively everyday occurrences for our main characters. Um, But also, there's a lot of high school drama in this show. Um, But also, this show is trying to talk about things like patriarchy and misogyny. Um, And it's doing a really good job of kind of hitting all those notes.
1: Yeah, I always felt it really just like it's a it's a m- modernized, updated version of like, you know, those like classic B shows that people really like to this day, Buffy and Supernatural and these kind of things. Are just like it has a very like also because it's like it's sort of in a not it's like a stylized world, with a lot of that going on. We're like. Cell phones aren't really a thing. Yeah. Like, but it's still the modern day, kind of. but Yeah. uh, So it's kind of like, it just feels like very early 2000s, but minus like, but like modernized in a production value and like writing and that kind of stuff.
0: Like they dress like, they kind of dress like it's the 60s, Mm -hmm. but they drive relatively modern cars. But again, the internet and cell phones aren't a thing, but also there's what I'm certainly reading as a trans student, like an openly trans student, you know, as as a, you know, as a, as a second tier character who is, you know, and their identity is not really at issue. So, but I'm fine with that. I like, I don't, I really don't mind it when shows do things like that because sometimes having to work the internet and cell phones into your plotting really just creates a lot of problems. So it's just like, well, what if we just said, nah, and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's do that.
1: I never realized that. And they're not and they're not supposed to be connected in this, but like, I never realized that, like, digging into some of the history, that, like, oh, it's all Brent, this is all kind of like Archie comics, right? That's where Sabrina's from, mm-hmm. is where, like, I guess Nancy Drew is from. I'm not sure, like,
0: no, Nancy Drew no. was,
1: uh, okay, just a book series. Okay. I thought that there was some connection there, but I could be wrong, but yeah, just like, so, like, they she mentions like Riverdale, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's another TV show that's on. They're not connected, obviously, different <laughs> setting and stuff, but it's just really weird that, like, just weird the. Path this character and story has like taken yeah it's like now nah, it was like a comic strip and then it got a little weird and then they made like a sitcom out of it and then they made like a real comic that's like dark which is what this is based out of. it's like it's just a strange it's got a lot of mileage out of this franchise right yeah it's like why like i, I do enjoy the show i finished second season while we were watching ava uh and it was, it was good. I thought that they had a really good, like, it's a little bit, not that it's unclear who's the good guy and the bad guy at points, but there's a couple, there's like multiple players in action. It's not just like our heroes and our villains. It's like, eh, this person's kind of shady. This person's kind of shady and everyone's a little shady. And like the morality of this world is a little confusing because it's like, well, the like the family you follow, Sabrina and her aunts and her, her cousin, they seem like genuinely pretty good people. Like you probably classify them as like, decent human beings but then they say things in this like you know this like this witchcraft world they live in where they worship satan and they're like oh yeah like we made that cake out of babies and i was like wait, wait wait can we go back a second <laughs> like what did you say yeah like, whoa <laughs> i'm okay with the devil worship but like baby eating is an interesting t- <laughs> it's just but it's just kind of like just kind of runs with it and you just gotta go okay whatever and just keep moving through it and i think that the um i, I always miss her name because it's a mouthful but kiernan shipka yeah, uh, she does a really good job. Yeah. Like, I really like her in it, so. she She's really good at
0: kind of bouncing back and forth between vulnerable and uncertain and self-possessed in a way that doesn't feel improper. Not improper, but like forced or mm-hmm. just like bad writing. Because a lot of times you, and maybe I'm thinking about... Name of the Wind here, but where you have a character who just, it just seems like in some scenes they're really sensitive and uncertain, and in other scenes they're just completely full of confidence, and that just feels like sloppy writing, and i they just need to be whatever I need them to be in this scene, but she does a really good job of, um, you know... And you can tell, like, when she gets fired up and self-possessed, like, you can tell what's triggering that for her. And it's usually, like, some kind of injustice that's being done, either to her or to her friends. And that's when she kind of really gets, takes command. Um, But then there's other scenes, like, where she's with her boyfriend or she's uncertain about her role, like, in this, you know, am I a witch or am I a human, et cetera, et cetera. Like, where she's, you know, where she's doubtful and she seems like a, you know, like a teenage girl who isn't sure of her place in the world. And and she does an excellent job of making all of those feel believable and feeling like they're coming from the same person. Just, you know, who's kind of finding herself in different circumstances. She's really good.
1: Yeah. And there's like some genuinely like really uh, like compelling visual Mm-hmm. Scenes like I think the cinematography is really good in the show because it's like it's not scary, but like the the style is very dark and like pretty brutal at points. So I you know just kind of said it all just kind of fits. It's like the the camp mixed with like like you said some of the more uh like you know has something to say about some things. It all just kind of fits in a weird way that like you said I would if someone had describe this series to me and what it's doing and what it's like i'd be like mm, i'm not sure <laughs> yeah nope not possible <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, doing a good job so uh I, I wonder what you think as you continue to move through it
0: yeah i mean it's kind of i'm kind of keeping it on as like a 50 attention show you know what i mean
1: yeah that's probably enough
0: you know it, it's like eh, i put this on and you know while i'm you know doing chores or you know making dinner um you know it's not a sit down and, and pay very close attention to everything but i'm really enjoying it it, it with that level cuz i also feel like if i really dug into this i would kind of get bored with some of the more relationshipy stuff um cuz i you know feel like there's some there's a fair amount of that and again yeah, totally fine if it's in there but mm, i i feel like i would get bored of that stuff anyway
1: yeah i will say that i don't think they overplay some of that like, That's there's good. a little bit maybe but it was definitely less I think the first half of the first season probably has the most of it, and then it starts to sort of kind of, you know, All right, go away good. from there. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's still a high sure. school show right. at heart, no, but very little time is spent in the high school. And, um, you know, as, as the other side characters get a little more developed and start getting their, like, pathway into the supernatural world. Yeah, uh,
0: I mean, she's a
1: teenager, and
0: it wouldn't be a believable or interesting show if we just pretended she had no interests in relationships and friendship and all those things. Right. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a teenager's life. It's, you know, sex and socializing. That's how things go. So (laughs) fine.
1: Yeah. Uh, how about a show that I did give myself a hundred percent attention to and watched in a single day, which was the third season of big mouth. Yeah. I plowed through that too. What did you think? um, I liked it a lot. I thought that the joke density and like the joke, I was just continued to just laugh and laugh a lot. I thought that the only weakness compared to last season was that it kind of lacked that like driving overarching storyline. Yep. That, that like had a nice conclusion in the second season, but I was com- like pretty content. Like that would be better, but I really didn't have a major complaint that it didn't really have that. Cause I enjoyed, I mean, I just continue to laugh. They are, I have to be careful, they're getting to the point where, like, there's a couple jokes where I'm like, I'm still actually laughing at this, but be careful. Like, yeah. you could, like, the dog, which I still laugh at every single time. Uh, you know, Ludacris featuring Pitbull, like, I, and I'm like, mm, just be careful, like, just be careful. You don't want to overplay a joke. Uh, I thought the fight, the Queer Eye episode was really funny because having watched that show with Shay Summit, it's like they are making fun of that show, but in like a you know. A loving way, like so much. Yeah.
0: See, I I had a problem with that because, well, two things. One, I'm pretty sure that was the cast of Queer Eye doing the voices, right? It was correct. And Queer Eye is a Netflix show, correct? So, little bit of a crossover there. And also, I don't love the bonobos product placement in my big mouth. (laughs) Because I actually did not notice. Because and and this comes from a person who buys a good chunk of his wardrobe from Bonobos, um, (laughs) friend of the show. (laughs) Um, uh, they, there's a, there's a, there's a shot where they talk about a particular shirt and that shirt is in this season's collection. Like it's there on the screen. And I'm like, you can fucking buy that shirt right now. It's not just a, Oh, this is the kind of shirt they sell at Bonobos. Ha ha ha. It's like, no, that's a shirt you can buy. Um, and yeah, I didn't love that. The product placement. Mm, um, see, that
1: one right by me. So you're pretty tuned to that, I'm sure. Well,
0: yes. Again, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, s- I'm s-
1: scrolling through that sales section every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed that just like the little things, just like that everyone had a French tuck and that like just the little things that sh- people pointed out in the show. And that's not the first commentary, first time these things were pointed out, but just like when they're like uh, when. I think the character's name is Bobby who does like the home renovation mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, you gave him a haircut and I renovated his whole goddamn house. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, they spend the least amount of time on that and in, in the show. And it's just little things like that that I thought was yeah. interesting. No, but. I mean,
0: I like, and that's the thing about the show. Like, I feel like the moment to moment jokes are all really good but i yeah the the season 2 was so great with the way that they brought in the shame wizard and that that the that the having that overarching villain and really gave the entire season something to say like the season had a thesis this one tried to make it about toxic masculinity but couldn't really i don't think they really had a really cohesive way to talk about it like it seems like this would have been a good opportunity to like introduce another supernatural character who is some kind of embodiment of toxic masculinity much the way they did with the shame wizard in a a very effective way i just feel like uh, i just it just i don't feel like it really knew what it wanted to be
1: yeah i i wonder if and this is you know they've announced they're doing a spinoff show it's called human management or human resource. I don't know what it's called, but basically it's going to take place in the world they want to in the second season where all the different like depression cat and the shame wizard and the hormone monsters all work and live, I suppose. So I wonder if they started to kind of pull some of the back, some of that stuff to use for that show and focus less on some of the more, you know, like you said, supernatural extra characters. I'm not sure. That's just a thought I have, but it eh, could be. Um,
0: um, I mean, I think that, yeah, I, I I mean, I totally I I got to the end of the series and or uh, season and was sad that it was over. Like I wanted more. But um, yeah, I just feel like this one could have used a maybe another couple of months to kind Mm. of get ready. And there were a few too many stunt episodes like and each one of them on their own is fine. Like the Queer Eye episode is one. The Duke Ellington episode is another one. The superhero episode is another one. The uh, disclosure, the musical is another oh, one.
1: Disclosure, the musical. Uh,
0: That's so weird. Yeah. So I have more on that in a second. But like, and all of them are good in isolation. But when you realize there's only about eight episodes, and four of them are just kind of like essentially standalone stunt episodes, it's kind of like, ooh, ugh. But
1: right. yeah, it's it's sort of in that same vein that I feel like. I'm curious how when when Rick and Morty picks back up, because like that can sometimes struggle with that, too, where it's like they're laying some seeds for a broader story. We don't need one, but sometimes it does feel like I want one. Right. And when it does it, it does it well. So, like, I'm curious to see if how that works out in that capacity as well. And
0: I mean, I don't come to Rick and Morty for an overarching, you know, arc for each season. Like I'm happy Mm -hmm. for each episode to just be a really cool little exploration of a particular idea. Um, it's kind of classic sci-fi TV in that way, but big mouth, like I really come to it for like, what's this season going to be about? What are they doing this season? And this really wasn't there, but so the topic of disclosure, the musical, um, so there's the podcast. How did this get made Uh with, uh, Paul Shear, Jason Mantzoukas, who plays, um, Jay in, And uh, and Derek on the, the Good Place and Derek on the Good Place um, top tier character yes top tier dude in general <laughs> um, he uh, him Paul Shear, and June Diane Raphael who plays uh, Devon in Big Mouth oh, um, okay. they have their movie bad movie podcast how did this get made and Nick Kroll is has been a guest on the uh, on how did this get made a couple times and they did an episode just before the release of Big Mouth of. They did an episode about the movie disclosure. <laughs> so <laughs> Nick could talk about he's like, Yeah, I watched this movie like six
1: times because we've made this stupid episode of our show. <laughs> um But anyway, it's good. Should- I I've, I've never heard heard of that movie, and I was looking up, I'm like, what? because I at first thought it was like not a real thing, and I'm like, no, this is a real thing. Yeah, they always no, do real things. It's a it's a, it's like, a very real fuck? movie <laughs>
0: um, I believe written by Michael Crichton. Really? Um, or at least based on uh, a book by Michael Crichton about uh, about 90s era sexual harassment. But this time it's the dude <laughs> that gets harassed. So weird. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Big Mouth It's still worth a watch. I, I think my favorite episode was the Florida
1: episode. Yeah, that one got me pretty good. I really like the some of the jokes I really enjoy where were they like they're they kind of break the fourth wall and they reference like Netflix or Amazon. Like they bring up give up Game of Thrones at some point point. they're like, not that anyone should watch HBO ever, right? That's what we're supposed to say, right? And like yeah. <laughs> I like the the kind of in jokes with the uh with like the corporate, you know. Yeah. In, in 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 corporate jokes I enjoyed. Um but yeah, so I, I really just I think that what I did like about this season was that that like it didn't end it the way it ended, I actually liked of just like, yeah, sometimes you get in a fight with your friends and like it sucks when you're that age and like there's sometimes no way around it or out of it and it's just like it i think it nailed that for me at least that feeling yeah and in, in the same way that it's nailed other feelings in the past about stuff yeah um but yeah so definitely worth the watch i mean oh I yeah no probably sure. want to go back and rewatch it because i just i just binge it and i was homesick from work and i'm like oh how convenient and i'm like okay i'm not gonna watch this all one day and like three hours later i'm like god damn it
0: <laughs> and that's that's kind of one of the th- i mean maybe that's the thing about big mouth is that this still, I think, is, is a really, really good season of comedy. It just, when you compare it to the two seasons that came before it, you're like, ooh. But you compare it to a random se- season of just about anything else, and it's still better.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I still can't, like, I still can't convince some of my friends to get into it. They're like, it's just a bunch of masturbation jokes. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I mean, it is a lot of those. <laughs> it is a lot of them. There's a lot of those, correct. But I just, they just, they're not see, you can't, to see past that is difficult, which I, which I get, but I don't know. All right, so I was thinking we'd switch gears, uh-huh. talk about something big. Uh-huh. How about that Star Wars trailer? Eh. Eh. I don't know, man. I,
0: I didn't think it was really going to change my mind and get me excited for the new Star Wars.
1: And it didn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm nervous, Greg. Why? This... I put a lot of pressure on this movie because when I tend to view things as a whole, uh-huh. I bet like, you know, a trilogy, when it's intended to be a trilogy, I'm not talking something like Terminator or something like that, where it's like, these were three, separate movies made at different times for different reasons. These movies are made to tell a story as a trilogy with following the same characters, etc. And a lot of my problems with both seven and eight could be redeemed if it all is going someplace good and interesting. But I'm not convinced it's going to happen that way. No, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere good and interesting, does it? It really doesn't. Like, I don't care that the Emperor is back, and I don't care about some of this stuff, but, like, it just feels like these movies are made individually in a vacuum. Like, there's nothing in the prior two movies to indicate at all that there's some, like, master plan at work. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And, I mean, that in-universe, as in, like, you know... Like, I'm okay with Palpatine being a, a super mastermind. That's kind of his deal. But if this is all leading to this culmination of all nine movies, seven and eight kind of felt like a detour. Yeah. And, and like, you know, just okay detours at that. I mean, I like both movies. I'm not a Last Jedi hater. We've been over that. But like, I just feel like, why? And then subsequently, like, why? Like, why are we doing it now? Like, it, it just seems like we're a little over the place. And it makes me, once again, sad that I think there's really no strong creative direction for the star wars franchise as a whole
0: um yeah i think that's right i mean it it does seem like last jedi didn't leave a ton of a ton of options of like where do they go from here and why do i care um and and that's seven and eight's problem as well of kind of giving me a version of the star wars universe that i could get invested in again um and it just seems like they just keep falling back on recycling old ideas. And honestly, I was I was more hopeful at the end of Last Jedi because I felt like they were trying to break free of some of those older ideas because they were, you know, trying to reframe the Jedi as, you know, kind of a bad mistake in general and reframing the force again. Uh, back to something that kind of everybody could use and that maybe something new was happening in the galaxy. Maybe more Force users were kind of popping up. And I was like, oh, that's kind of an an interesting direction we could go in rather than just, it's, you know, oh, Star Wars is always just going to be a fight between the Skywalkers and the Palpatines. And that's just what this is going to be. And then it's like... All I've been hearing about this next movie is, yep, the Emperor's in it, and uh, that whole thing about Rey not really being anybody, like, she's just a person, yeah, we might change that. (laughs) And I'm like, ugh, please, I thought we were doing something cool, and I just don't know why I should care about this, other than it's a new Star Wars movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some cool-looking visuals, and- You know, I'm curious to see what happens, but I'm excited to see Lando again. I'm excited to see Wedge again, like all cool stuff. But I just, I don't know. I just get the feeling that they gave the directors or the writers of these movies a little bit too much independence, which is not usually a thing I complain about. But you have to stay within the same, at least on the same pathway, right? If you're making a trilogy of sequenced movies, (laughs) And working towards something and it just doesn't feel that way. And I feel like that will then go back and make some of my criticisms of seven and eight stand even out stronger and more on firmer ground because it's just like, okay, well, this is just J.J. Abrams decision to do this or Ryan Johnson's do this because of some reason, not part of like a larger plan. And I know that we disagree about what Star Wars is or can be. That's okay. But when i see when i look over the other side and i see the mandalorian is looking like everything i'm hearing and seeing about it is just like this just looks like i want to watch this right now and i'm like at this point i'm way more interested in that than i am in this ninth star wars movie which is supposed to be the culmination of everything and i'm just like that's a mistake if that's happening that way
0: right and that's and and that's the other thing is i think that it's it's this idea that episode 9 should be the culmination i don't know i just feel like and maybe that was the mistake of trying to tie Seven, eight, nine, too much to four, five, and six.
1: Oh, I agree. I think it's a complete mistake. I mean, I think it's fine to have the characters, but like to to try and paint all nine of these movies as one story yes. is a flaw. It's I just agree. not a good decision. Because even, you know, prequels are what they are, for all their flaws, they told a singular story. And yeah, that plays into, sure, it leads up to the next story, but it is its own story. Like the part with Darth Vader, Anakin and Skywalker's, you know, Fall of their Redemption, like that seems like a complete story, and that was one plot line of that movie. Well, and and the truth is Those that movies. you know, four, five, and six are not Darth
0: Vader's story. Right. That's like Skywalker's plan. story. and, and there've been a lot of analysis in the in the intervening years that have tried to make it Anakin's story in, in four, five, and six. And that's just not the case. It is right. It's not the story of how Darth Vader redeems himself. It is the story of how Luke Skywalker, through his goodness, redeems his father. Right. By by refusing to fight the Emperor at the end, Luke's action and Luke's inherent goodness is what finally helps Darth Vader overcome his corruption. And it's not Darth Vader's story. It's Luke's story. Right. And Luke is able to come to that place because he went through that journey in um in empire to purge himself of his negative emotions and come out a better person and and so it's it's the 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 first is about the fall of the republic and the fall of Anakin Skywalker great the uh 4 5 and 6 are about Luke Skywalker you know going through a journey of you know, you know, naive farm boy to um, conflicted student to, you know, essentially, you know, Jedi master, um, you know, kind of pacifist savior, pseudo pacifist. I mean, he they kill a lot of people, but he but, but you know should I mean.
1: have his dad. But yeah, yeah
0: but 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 but, but it, you know, it is his, you know, he rejects violence at the end. That's the and that's the that's the real turning point. Yeah, OK, got it. And then. 789 what like what are we doing here because it's not really Ray's story because she's kind of f- fully developed and fine at the beginning you know
1: yeah I think that I mean my co-worker and I were talking today a little bit and he brought up and I agreed we kind of talked through it like the original trilogy is it is Luke's story but it's also it's the ensemble story yeah like It is a shared story between Luke and Han and Leia and this motley crew of people who end up, you know, being instrumental in overthrowing this evil empire. Okay. There's an ensemble cast in the prequels, but it is very much Anakin's story. Right. Right. So, and that's okay. They're two different goals and they, you know, in the broad strokes, fine. They work. They kind of try to straddle the line in this. So trying to get that like quirky ensemble interaction stuff in- Seven, eight, and nine, it seems, but they don't really spend enough time doing it while also trying to make this like a very Ray central. They're kind of trying to do both at the same time. And it, I mean, I do, I am most invested in Ray's story. And I think that's the part that I like best about these newbies by far. Certainly, the best part of The Last Jedi is everything with Ray slash Kylo slash Yes. Luke. But the rest of the characters, I could kind of take or leave. They just, right. they don't, they haven't earned. And granted, I haven't watched them a thousand times like I have the original but they haven't filmed the chemistry and, and earned that stuff. I mean, Actually, I'm going to say that. I think they do the chemistry. We just don't. They just aren't together enough. Yeah. And that's one thing that like they do more in the original trilogy is like the ensemble sticks together and like gets out of jams together. Yes. And it's the interactions between
0: Han and Luke and Han and Leia, you know, all of them together. It's like the problem of the that one season of Arrested Development where none of them are interacting. It's like, what am I doing here? They're supposed to be funny together. Um, and yeah, I just think that, and I don't know. I, part of it is also that it feels like each of their journeys is pretty simple. <laughs> and yeah, it's kind of like they just keep repeating it like uh, ah, Poe's cocky and needs to get taken down a couple pegs. Okay. We'll just do that again in this movie or like uh Finn you know he's he's got to find something to believe in and not just run away. Okay, let's just do that again. You know and and, and 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 yeah, I mean you could say you could maybe make the same case for Han um where it's like he kind of loops a couple times of like doing the right thing, but uh, I just
1: Yeah, I mean I just think that they they didn't decide where they wanted to go yeah, and and they and didn't they didn't plot an outline for three movies that makes coherent sense and it you know then that leaves you very much open to a the first problem is you should you should always know the ending when you're writing the beginning and the middle yeah <laughs> and two it, it leaves you subject to potentially the whims of the audience which isn't always a good oh, thing oh yeah and I,
0: I think they've made a big
1: mistake here too i think
0: that they've made a big mistake um by giving nine back to J.J. Abrams because it feels like it feels like a statement that like Ryan Johnson was a mistake you were right internet right and um oh you wanted to be oh we veered too far away from what you thought Star Wars was well okay let's go back to the guy who all he knows how to do is regurgitate the original that's what worries me I mean look I'm gonna go I'm gonna pay money I'm gonna see this movie um and it's, it's going to be fine. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, if you say, look, 789 are really just a rehash of, it's basically the same Luke Vader story, but in this one, maybe they'll fuck.
1: Like, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I guess let's try that. Um, So I don't know. Star Wars. Yeah. I just think that, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, you know, it seems like, I mean, if I'm, if I'm, if, okay. So if I'm disney or lucasfilm i guess at this point i'm sitting here going all right let's look at the list of people we've promised star wars movies to." all right ryan johnson well he's you know a lot of fans don't like him right now maybe we'll put that on hold for a little bit because there's been no news about that solo didn't pan out so well so maybe we'll put a you know put a pin in some of these side story movies all right who's the other guys we gave movie to oh yeah benioff and weiss Mm, maybe we'll hold off on that too Mandalorian looks good though. So let's make more TV shows, I guess. So I like, <laughs> it's just a, I just feel like they must be like they've dug a dug themselves a hole with these movies especially cuz people are going to naturally compare it to something like Marvel or whatever and it just doesn't hold a candle to that the the macro well, attempt the storyline there.
0: I think the problem is I think Star Wars has gotten to be too big and it has gotten to the point where it's unworkable. Like, I don't think that you can make Star Wars movies anymore that are going to appease everyone who wants to see Star Wars movies. I think that the audience is too broad and too fragmented in what they want. And maybe you can try a scattershot strategy where you make some things that are good for this kind of Star Wars fan and some things that are good for that kind of Star Wars fan. Um, but I think that... Because it means so many different things to so many different people, there is no one big tentpole Star Wars thing you can make that's going to make everybody happy the way you, that you want it to. So maybe the maybe the expanded universe was the right economic model all along. You know, you just carve out a niche audience that you can serve with a million <laughs> books about um, the bartender from Moss Eisley, and you can keep those people happy at a relatively low cost, and that's it. Maybe that's what they should have done.
1: <laughs> to be fair, there was only a short story about the bartender from Moss. Oh, Isley, holy but... shit! I was making it up. <laughs> there's a there's a book called Tales from Moss Isley Cantina, and basically it gives a little bit of a short story to like most uh, of the characters you see in there. I don't. They're I, actually fun little reads uh, because stop, they're stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah. I'm really curious because now they're starting to really like dig back into the ODU, because like, they've been doing a lot of stuff with Thrawn, and now they're talking about bringing back Mara Jade, and it's just like, well, why didn't we just do this in the first place, guys? Because like, they thought they could Marvel it. I, I guess, but they did a really shitty job at it. Yeah, because unlike unlike the Marvel movies,
0: the Star, Wars, the Star Wars fandom has like 40 years of history. Yeah. Whereas the Marvel movies only go back to like, what, 2006? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... It, you just your, your your fan base
1: just isn't that fragmented the way it is with Star Wars. No, that's definitely true. Um, I'm just curious their strategy moving forward. I feel like they if this movie almost feels like they're like, all right, we got to We got to close the door on this because this whole thing's a mess. And maybe oh, we yeah. Can re-evaluate they're going to take that. a break from the numbered movies for a couple of years. Yeah. At bare minimum. And it which things because I feel like there is some good ideas in these movies and some good characters and like don't get me wrong. These movies are like they're not bad. Like I don't think they're like bad movies. I enjoy watching them. I enjoy seeing them for the first time. There's some really powerful moments and ideas in them. Uh, but I'm just the the bird's eye view, the macro view. I'm just like, like you said, what are we doing? Yeah. Where are we going with that? this? Yes. And, you know, maybe these TV shows will be good. Uh, maybe that's maybe it's a better place for Star Wars. Just tell little stories. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. But however, it seems like you're feeling quite the opposite about another revival
0: uh Picard yeah yeah I mean I every time they release another trailer, I just get more and more into it uh I'm 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 man when that show comes out, what's the release date on that let's google it. okay I've got until January. But that when that show comes out, man, I'm just going to be a fucking wreck. Like, <laughs> I, I just the, the, the trailers come out and I'm like getting choked up just watching the trailers. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I'm going to take a week <laughs> off of work just to recover emotionally. I love that this. there's
1: something you love so much that can make you feel that way. I don't know, I wasn't, man. Besides Evangelion. <laughs> it, 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 it's just it's. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just seems
0: like this. The, oh, in the latest trailer, we're like. It's just slowly zooming in on, um, on you know, like you just see Riker like working in the kitchen, and he's like in his like retirement house, and the camera is just kind of you know zooming in on his on him in silhouette, and you know it's him, and um, you hear like his kid's voice, you know, say like, "Oh, John Luke Picard's here," and then you just get this shot of his face, and like it's the first time you're seeing that character again, in you know, what? 15 years? And... More than
1: that, right? uh, Well, I guess he was in the movies, In the movies, yeah. Yeah. But, like,
0: you're seeing this character again and um, the look on his face that he's going to see his old friend again. And then you just get a couple of shots of them interacting, man. And they just... They just... I mean, it's just... They seem like old friends. They don't seem like actors who are just dusting off these old parts again for a paycheck. It's just... Oh boy, I'm gonna, it's gonna hurt my bones, man.
1: Well, and I think that there's like more and more, especially, and we'll get into it here, but with this Watchmen show, I just feel like there was a time when I think people were like, any attempt to try and reboot, revitalize, take a stab at, make a sequel, like, it's always just a cash grab and shitty, right? Like, yeah. And I think that with some of the things that have come out over the past, like, five or ten years of like... No, no. Just make it good. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Just like, you know, I'm not saying everything deserves it or is necessary, but even if it's not like no one asks for a sequel to Watchmen. No. (laughs) Certainly (laughs) not me. Right. But, you know, and you probably would never have never have asked for a sequel or revival to a next generation or whatever we're calling this. Right. Like you're probably like, I'm good. Thank you. But if it's good. You're not going to say no. Well, I would have asked for a revival, of, or not a revival, but but I, I do
0: think that, you know, I, I don't think that Captain Picard and the Enterprise characters got a fitting send-off. That last movie was not a good ending to their stories. Gotcha. Um. So I think if you'd said, we're going to take one more crack at this, um, I would have said, tell me more. But I do want to talk about Watchmen, but before we do, shh, can I talk about the Joker? yeah man go for it so i I'm gonna s- just leave
1: those. so no, i'm just
0: kidding i saw joker you haven't seen joker mm-hmm. but i am going to talk for at most f- 16 minutes it's about joker so okay. if you are listening to this podcast have not seen joker want to see joker um like just skip ahead like f- 16 minutes and 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 hopefully you won't be spoiled
1: I mean, movies like made like eight hundred and some million dollars. So most people probably who want to see it have probably seen it. At this I point. would
0: imagine so. It's it's anyway. Um, and I don't think I have any opinions on it that haven't been said elsewhere. But so very quickly for you who has not seen it. Um, here is the very basic plot. Uh, Arthur Fleck, who we know will end up being the Joker, is a uh, struggling basically clown for hire in 1980s-ish Gotham City. Um, he has severe mental illness. One of those is um, a a neurological condition that causes him to laugh uncontrollably in moments of uh, stress and uncertainty. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix does a great job in this of like doing this laugh that is... He's clearly trying to suppress and is like painful for him, and he's embarrassed by and is like, he's kind of laughing and crying at the same time. Really good, really convincing. But he's also incredibly socially awkward, um, and often detaches from reality. He lives with his, uh, m- his, uh, mother, Penny Fleck, who is clearly also suffering from, um, mental illness issues, including a delusion, um, in which, She, uh, well, it's not delusion that she used to work for Thomas Wayne, but um, she seems to believe that if Thomas Wayne only knew the uh, poor conditions they lived in, he would surely help because he's such a good man. Um, She routinely sends letters to Thomas Wayne uh, and does not get any in return. Arthur wants to be a stand-up comic, but very clearly has no idea how comedy works. We see him at comedy clubs laughing at the wrong moments of jokes and taking notes about like how comedy is supposed to work. Like he's like taking notes about what the audience reacts to, but he's, he genuinely wants to, um, like be a comic in kind of a naive childish way. Uh, he is seeing a social worker. He is taking medication. It's clear that he was at one point in Arkham is no longer there. Um, his life takes a turn. He loses his job. Um, he gets cut off from whatever social services are providing his medication. And he is on a subway train home in his full clown gear. When he ends up getting hassled by some drunken rich guys, it turns into a fight and he ends up shooting them. Uh, kind of in self defense but then it turns into it starts out as self defense but then kind of turns into murder this begins his decline uh during his decline he learns that his mother is convinced that not only um is thomas wayne uh going to like rescue them but thomas wayne is also she believes arthur's father um this causes arthur to seek out thomas wayne uh to Do something, uh, which involves a cameo from Alfred and a very young Bruce Wayne at the front gates of Wayne Manor. Uh, He eventually confronts Thomas Wayne at an opera or a movie showing or something. Thomas Wayne tells him, your mom's crazy. Go to Arkham. Go look at the uh, the records. She's delusional. You were adopted. You're not my son, etc., etc. He goes to Arkham where the records confirm that, yes, his mother was indeed crazy, was indeed institutionalized. He was indeed adopted and was indeed physically abused by her boyfriends uh, as a child, probably to the point of brain damage, which might be the source of his mental illness. Um, Woof. Uh, during this, a video of him doing a really bad comedy set makes it in onto uh, the late night talk show that is hosted by this Marie Franklin guy who played by Robert De Niro that he kind of idolizes, but they're kind of making fun of him for being so bad at comedy. But eventually they call him and they're like, do you want to come on the show? Your clip's so popular on our show, et cetera, et cetera. So he says, okay. Um, And in the, as he's getting ready to be on the show, we realize that um, he's planning to kill himself on air because his life is falling apart. Meanwhile, as all of this is going on, his murder of those guys on the subway is being interpreted by the population as some kind of class struggle, um, about, you know, uh, the underclass, oppressed underclass of Gotham is going to, is rising up, so there are riots in the streets, people in clown masks, uh, you know, and he's, Arthur is kind of interpreting this as like, ooh, people are kind of into me. Anyway, he gets onto the Murray Franklin show, he comes out in his full makeup, um, live on TV starts having a conversation with Murray and then confesses to the subway murder. Uh, Murray decides that he's just going to run with this on TV and like has this conversation with uh, Arthur. Arthur realizing he's not going to get any validation from Murray freaks out, shoots Murray in the face on live TV. Um, And then there is a bit of a inconclusive ending where he is Potentially lifted up by all the rioters as their new icon, and he's very happy and uh um or he gets arrested and sent to Arkham. It's not quite clear, but in the chaos that follows after his on-air murder and this riot, um the Waynes are killed in an alley by a guy in a clown mask. God damn it. <laughs> and yes, there is the scene with the pearls. Oh jeez. So that's the plot. Um <sighs> Overall, uh, it's a beautifully shot movie. Joaquin Phoenix does an amazing job, but, uh, I don't think this movie does a very good job. Uh, one, I think it fails as an origin story for the Joker because this person, um, Arthur Fleck, doesn't really add up to the Joker we know any version of the Joker because there's two things we kind of know about the Joker, right? One, he's got some kind of twisted sense of humor where he thinks murder is funny. This movie kind of does that Two, He's a criminal mastermind who regularly outsmarts Batman, except this character, this Arthur Fleck seems like he couldn't pay a phone bill without help. Like he just, he's, he's mentally unstable. He can't tell fiction from reality. And it just seems like he, he he can't even take care of himself. So right. it doesn't really work. And maybe you could say, well, actually, the story is Arthur Fleck isn't the actual Joker who ends up fighting Batman. The Joker who ends up fighting Batman is someone who was inspired by Arthur Fleck. It's like, all right, fine. But then that's not as interesting. And now I just need a different a Joker origin, right? And then that version of the Joker is somehow cheaper because it was just something he saw on TV, right? Not his right. own thing. So it doesn't work that way. It's definitely not a movie about class struggle because even though his action kind of inspires some kind of anti rich class struggle, the movie doesn't really take a point of view about like who the good guys are in that. It's just kind of like, ah, there's all these rioters and masks, and uh, you know, I don't know, what do they want? Who cares? They're crazy. And the rich are represented by like Thomas Wayne, who seems like kind of a dick, but not a monster. Um, So it doesn't really work as a class struggle movie. And it doesn't really it kind of maybe works as just like a character study of like, oh, this guy. And he's just looking for identity. And because he's this he doesn't fit into society and society is abandoning him. His quest for identity just ends up leading to, you know, violence and bloodshed. And I'm like, I guess that's something, but it just doesn't really work. Um, Do I think the movie is worth seeing? I think, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. It's thought provoking. There's a lot of really excellent visuals, a lot of really great performances. Uh, well, really, Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Um but uh it's not a masterpiece it 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 in many ways it is just a bunch of winks and nods to better films uh with nothing really to to
1: of its own to say hmm. i you basically describe the movie that i thought this was going to be <laughs> you know just like probably well constructed you know like visually and with performances and you know probably as compelling as you're watching it. Right. But the second you think about it at all, it's just like, why would you do this again? And I really felt, I mean, I think you get know, it when you talked about like adding up to what we think of as the Joker, like there's different Jokers. That's okay. But like you said, there's, there's a couple things that are always the part of the Joker and to remove them, just, seems like you're not talking about the same character anymore so what's right. the point he,
0: he this this version of the joker does not check enough boxes to seem like anything recognizable as the joker we know and maybe that would have been okay if if they didn't they didn't really try to tie it in with the batman universe we know by um including the Waynes getting killed after the, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and really making a point of showing us that scene. Yeah. Like, I heard about that and I was like, that seems unnecessary. If they had just, if they had just been kind of like, it takes place in Gotham and maybe this is just some Else worlds where um this doesn't end up in a Batman story. This is just a story about a guy who turns into a clown criminal, you know? Mm. And maybe I'm like, all right, cool. Like, maybe there's a, some version of, you know, Gotham City, where this is an interesting little story, but uh, it just, I,
1: yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I, uh, what do you think about it's in, like, you know, this controversy of just like, oh, it's a, perhaps an inspiration for like incel violence? I think, no,
0: I, I, I think that's over, uh, that's entirely overblown. Okay. Um, I think that uh, what he's looking, (laughs) his gripe with society is not that society owes him something. His gripe with society is um, that he's invisible. And um, his big joke, the the, the joke for which, you know, the joke that where the punchline is, he shoots Murray Franklin in the face is, what do you get when you cross, um, you know, a mentally ill loner? With a society that turns his back on him, you get what you fucking deserve. Bang! Mm, like yeah. that's the joke, you know. And, and, and so it's like so that's the kind of the movie's thesis. And at that point, that doesn't see, sound like any Incel thing to me, right? I mean, it's kind of shallow. Um, it uh, I don't love it, but I don't think it it has anything to do with uh, Incel stuff. I mean, I think it. It, it, it comes up against that a little bit. I do think there's a, a a little bit of misogyny in this movie, but it's not incel misogyny. It's just general Hollywood misogyny.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Zazie Beetz's character essentially exists just to show us how crazy he is because he, he imagines their entire relationship. And that's supposed to be a big, you know, like second act twist. Find out that, you know. All those scenes where they were together, you know, and and, and having fun. He was actually alone. And like, okay. Duh. Kind of figured <laughs> that like you kind of realize like the way that their relationship starts, like, yeah, oh, that doesn't seem right. Seems out of nowhere. Uh and the fact that we never hear learn her name also seems strange. But anyway, like, it's just that kind of, like, you know, general Hollywood misogyny, not, um, oh, he's turned into this violent guy because he's not getting laid. Right, uh, right. You know. and, and I think the movie casts his his mental illness as something genuinely, like, sad and, and, and pathetic in the most literal definition. Like, you feel sorry for him, um, mm-hmm. not... Uh, You know, it's not that like bullshit Cheshire Cat, we're all mad here kind of thing. You know, it's like, no, he's like, this is a guy who genuinely can't connect to other human beings and like. Um, genuinely has trouble differentiating fantasy from reality. So, yeah. should perhaps be institutionalized or something. Absolutely. And the the movie kind of deals with that a little bit. Kind of talks about how this guy would be taken care of if society was taking care of him better. Like, it talks about how he gets booted off his, you know, kind of um, social worker therapy. Um, Whatever program is paying for his medication no longer exists. He was... Um, it seems like they mentioned that, like, he was kind of kicked out of Arkham, um, in much the same way that, like, was it Reagan who closed all the institutions? Um, I think so. And, and, you know, kind of left people to their own devices. Um, it, it's hinted at that, like, that was kind of happening, but the movie never puts a face on those people, on society that's doing that. You know, it it never, it, it doesn't make it seem like that's the result of, any kind of, like, decisions or mm. structures. It's just some shit that happened. Um, so it's not like the movie really has anything to say about it. It's just kind of, like... It's just kind of the backdrop for other activities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, again, it just... It doesn't really have anything to say. Or the things it had to say got sanded off somewhere in order to make room to, for, to watch Martha Wayne's pearls
1: hit the pavement one more fucking <laughs> time. <laughs> totally necessary. Uh, one more to add to the... That, Infamous YouTube clip that pieces together all the times that we've seen this scene. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, well, I'm glad I didn't go see that. Um, I think it's worth seeing, but, you know, uh, you can wait till it's on Netflix. Yeah, or, it's been a while since I've been to the movies, actually. I was thinking about going to see the Terminator movie, but I don't think I'm going to. Yeah. I heard it was okay, but I don't know. Anyway, shall we talk about Watchmen? Yeah, we should talk about Watchmen. Um, this show's weird, man. Yeah. This show is you could put me in a room for a week and I couldn't come up with like I would never end up where they are. <laughs> no you know what I mean? But it's but it's also exactly right, isn't it? I, I think it is. I mean there's still a lot to be Sure. Like this show could completely shit the bed. Absolutely. I'm gonna just go and say that at this There's point. a lot of ways there's still a lot of ways this could go wrong. <laughs> Do we know how but, many episodes it is? Is it ten? I don't know. HBO is pretty standard for ten, I think, yeah. for these kind of shows, but but based on the first two episodes,
0: yeah, it is Watchmen as fuck.
1: Yeah, it, it's like first off, I was get you know start with like the the world building they pursued is fascinating. Yes, like, and they've released these little I don't know if you saw they've released, they're releasing these like I guess they're probably gonna do it before or after each episode. There's like these like PDFs. Yep. And I was kind of browsing through those and just sort of like they're really doubling down on some of the fun. Some of the liberties that Alan Moore and David Gibbons, Daniel Gibbons, David Gibbons, David Gibbons. Dave Gibbons took, you know, the, you know, that, that Nixon's still president and there's some, you know, start to have this divergent history. Yeah. Um, and then they really like doubled down on that, but expanded upon it in ways that are like, yeah, that kind of, that kind of makes sense. No, it's, the, 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 they did this amazing trick
0: of continuing on developing a, a world, a, a world of the, you know, 2019 that really does feel like a natural outgrowth of, you know, the 1988 or whatever, wherever the Watchmen comic ends, right? It feels like this is the natural progression of that. Um, but also it's, they've built a world that is very clearly primed to have some interesting things to say about the real 2019. Yeah. And, and the way that they've stayed true to, watchmen in that regard in that it's like oh no we're going to because watchmen was the the comic was a commentary on the real world of its day our show has to be a commentary on the real world of our day yeah and um and man what a what a good
1: job they're doing of that so far <laughs> like, yeah I mean the the decision to there's a couple ways you could have gone with this right you could have just like done the very the first thing that someone would think of when you say you're making a quote-unquote secret watchman is like oh we're gonna see what night owl and silk Specter yep. are up to and like they're not really doing that I mean you got Osman and DSB and possibly Ooh. insane oh yeah like what the fuck's he up to um to be clear we're talking about episodes one and two yep because um I'm slow and we wasn't sure we were going to want to talk about this and
0: and, and it was a very reasonable thing for you to be a little hesitant to watch that first episode because again (laughs) when we were like oh they're making a new uh watchman and it's a sequel and it's being written by the guy who did lost
1: oh i didn't know that i was like oh
0: no don't do this thing just leave it where it was it was perfect and why don't don't touch it um but this is not a And that's, what's another thing that's so great about it is it doesn't try to, it's a sequel, but it's not trying to like supplant the original Mm -mm. or
1: like, oh this is Watchmen 2.0, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's doing, and this is, this is back to my earlier point I was making is that like, and and you can debate about necessity and things. Well, I don't think that's like a particularly compelling argument for me for a lot of, you know, making art, if we can be so bold, uh. When I think about the good examples of things that quote unquote weren't necessary, like no one thought Better Call Saul needed to be made. True. No one thought El Camino needed to be made. Some people might still hold that opinion. I thought it was fine. is where like, if you just think a little bit and like put some effort and some, like have something to say and remember what the original source material is actually about Mm -hmm. and the importance of it, then you can do it. Some people... Can't even make a movie about the original source material and know what it was about. Yeah. But (laughs) despite being almost scene for scene recreation of that source material. But I think that what this is doing so good is that it is and this is what I'm liking about it it is the world building is that it's not hiding the characters from us because it also could have done that. It could have said, you know what, we're just going to like maybe only vaguely reference some of these characters. But it's like, no, it's like Osmond Diaz is in the show we see clips of Dr. Manhattan on Mars. People talk about them. They are part of society. They are known figures. Mm-hmm. I assume that we'll probably get more of more ties back yeah. as the series progresses and um, whatever Ozymandias is up to because his inclusion in, the, inclusion in the show must amount to something of importance. Otherwise, by bother.
0: Yeah, I think. In the, um, uh, in, the, in the trailer for episode three, um, uh, now I'm forgetting the character's name, but the Silk Spectre. Lori Blake, I think. Right. Yeah. She, you, she, we, she gets introduced as some kind of FBI agent or somebody.
1: Yeah. Um, they reference her in the, uh, like the PDF documents. Yeah. It's and, like and, memos from in there.
0: And that makes sense. And like, you are kind of wondering where these other characters, um, might be, but also, and that's one of the things that like the comic knew and the show knows that, the story it's trying to tell is bigger than the characters. Right. That this is bigger than, oh, you know, we, we have to find everybody and see what all the old gang is up to. It's like, no, they're only going to be in here in so much as they serve the s- serve, whatever this is building to. Um, And, and, you know, the purpose they serve as influences on the world of today. Right. Like, clearly Ozymandias is up to something again um but we don't know what yet but we know it's important and it's going to be important that it's him and not just some other weirdo right right um and when silk specter shows up again it's going to be for a reason you know i, I well, at least it seems like it i have faith that that it's going to be that way and and it's just um and i feel like there are so many things that this show is already getting right that I feel like it's not going to get it's 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 gonna you know I feel like aha they get it you know yeah. just the things like it would have been so easy for them to you know in just like the way they handle Rorschach right um mm-hmm. because they know that Rorschach you know much to Alan Moore's chagrin Rorschach became a fan favorite character but that was definitely not the way Alan Moore wanted him to be understood and the way the book ends he sends his notes to what was essentially InfoWars. So like, yeah, it would make perfect sense that the kind of people who read InfoWars would end up idolizing this guy. So the fact that Rorschach has become a symbol for a white supremacist cult, you're like, yeah, that tracks, right? Whether or not Rorschach himself was a white supremacist doesn't, that's not the point. Right. And the way that this is happy to play with those icons and just be like, nope that's what happened in the intervening 30 years. You're like
1: that. Okay. This show gets it. It's also, I mean, there's some weird, like the first off, I'll say that, um, is it Regina King? I think is the main character. Yeah. She's awesome. She's already, her performance has already sold me and is really helping to carry the show. In my opinion, I think that they're doing the smart thing by focusing on her as opposed to trying to do too big of an ensemble cast to start. Uh, I think that I'm a little confused on like what the show is trying to tell us about like law enforcement and criminal justice. Like that remains a little unclear to me because you see these like very stark images of restraint that and and, like they talk about it, you know, that like the gun has to be released, released. They have to have, you know, a special meeting to decide if they're actually going to basically go like guns free for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, but then we also have scenes of like pretty intense police brutality and like clearly no respect for like Miranda rights and these sort of things. And I'm willing to be patient and see how that develops because I think that clearly, you know, the murder of this is where the show is also doing a like really good job of like, it's mirroring a lot from the comics, the original comic, but, mm-hmm. but like not aping it. Yep. Like clearly the murder of, you know, Judd. The police, yeah, Judd, the, the police chief, is very much, you know, similar to the murder of uh, the comedian. The comedian. Right. Because you've got this guy who, you know, I mean, we don't really know what's going on with Judd yet. Clearly, he was a member of the KKK at some point or something. Um, Seemed like a decent guy besides that. Yeah. Uh, you know, definitely seemed a little more nuanced than the comedian who was just kind of like, that guy's just kind of a shithead. Yeah, no, he's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Um so and, and sort of the the character that idolizes them sort of realizing that that same kind of pathway plus you have this the other mirror of this uh story within a story as they're showing this american hero story yeah which is clever uh which you know which is doing a couple things of like reminding us of the minutemen which is like it is an important part of this broader story yeah but also it's kind of it's kind of making fun of I feel like it's making fun of the um, the movie, like because it's so like the way it's shot, yeah, the violent way it's shot, and the violence and, the, and stuff. I'm the, just like
0: the ramping, the uh, the the speed ramping, and everything.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very just like,
0: Zack Snyder style. I'm pretty
1: sure they're making fun of Zack Snyder. Yeah, I they? think They've they might be. be. <laughs> Which, once again, cool. Way to go. Um, that's fun, and I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm really like obviously we're gonna have this mystery of like what this will character you know her grandfather who once again also very interesting i was like i once again you could not have put me room and end up starting this watchman show with the 1921 uh tulsa massacre i we would have i would be like what how are you ever going to connect that to this but still remains to be seen how that's handled but um important inclusion i think because having only really just learned a lot more about that recently it's Rough stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of people didn't know about this. No, that was a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, uh, Official records say, official records say, said that 36 people were killed, but uh, an independent audit was done in like 2001 and said that, yeah, it was probably more between 100 to 300 people
0: were murdered. Yeah. And also calling it a riot isn't exactly right either, because a riot sounds like a bunch of people got in a big fight. Right. And there's blame on all sides
1: and everything like that. This, no, no, this was a massacre.
0: This was essentially crystal knocked. This was Yeah, this is not genocide. a riot. This was a this was a massacre. This was a mass lynching.
1: Um and literally used a plane to drop bombs on the t- <laughs> Yeah, what the like, fuck? It's it's fucking it sounds like something out of a TV show that actually happened. you know what I mean, yeah, that, like no, actually except happened. That was a
0: real thing that happened yeah. in America. Um that uh yeah. Anyway. I also
1: really like in the world building not to continue, but like just that like the little tiny tidbits that like was included that they like were like yeah we're gonna we're gonna double down on that like the fact that them talk about like Robert Redford in mm-hmm. the comic like once about like running for president or whatever and now it's like no he's been president for thirty years and he's just like I guess this like liberal icon more or less yeah it, it's just like okay <laughs> and I know he's in the show as Robert Redford playing himself that's uh it's gonna be great is he I know that they they, they I'm not sure if that actually. I'm pretty sure that I they read them. I but. know that they talked about it, but
0: um, but no, it, you know, and that that that's the comic talked about it, and it's a clever way of saying you know what if um, instead of electing a conservative movie star in the 80s, we elected a liberal movie star, <laughs> you know, with RR as their initials, right? Um, but I think it's you know it's interesting and also a little bit of a commentary on like oh yeah, our president. Is just a reality TV guy right now. It's not that crazy that it would have been Robert Redford, <laughs> right? Um, no, I, I think just little cool little things, and then just like when she goes to the essentially the reparations center to do mm-hmm. her little detective work, and they just kind of walk you through like how that process would work, and you're like, huh? But just like it, it, it's like a it's like a fairly well thought out like okay, if this were to happen. In a slightly more high-tech world, how would it go? And at once, it seems kind of high-tech, and it also just seems like, you know, banal government bureaucracy, you know? Right, Like, give us your DNA, we'll tell you if we owe you any money, and here's a guy in front of an American flag, (laughs) you know, um in a, in a, in a, in a shittily personalized audio message, you know, it's it's just really well done and it matches the tone of, uh, Watchmen in a really good way of, um, and obviously the, the comic did it first, but Futurama also did it. The idea of like the boring dystopia yeah, where the future is, is it, it still sucks. (laughs) Like, and it sucks in a lot of the ways you're familiar with. Yeah. Um, there's a and, whole subreddit called that. Yes. <laughs> and that's kind of the way that they set this up. And it's like, um, and yeah, the idea of like, okay, well, what if you had like, uh, you know, a real liberal Hollywood liberal style president for a long time? And, you know, how would you, you know, and what would be like the most like absurd comic booky way to like restrain police brutality? And, and then it's like, okay. The police like, you know, they've got all these they to even draw their gun, they've got to call somebody. And you're like, oh, all right. Yeah, it does seem kind of crazy. That's a comic booky version of it, but okay. Um, but then also you see these, you know, superheroes who are clearly part of the official criminal justice system, who do not have but who just like you say, like just beat the shit out of and kidnap people all the time. So you've got right. this weird two-tier justice system that I feel like we're gonna have to talk more
1: about. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, like, I mean, she's a detective. Like, that's her title. Like, people yeah. call her that. But she's also Sister Knight, the superhero, right? Like, uh, one thing that I think, <laughs> ironically, so, and you might disagree. I don't get your opinion. I, and you know, not that I've, like, I never, like, studied in a class or anything like that, which I know there, there are, and there's plenty of books about it. But, like, I've never really been convinced that Watchmen had a single overarching thesis.
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, I don't think it, it had a single one. I mean, I think that it, um. And it's not necessarily like a, like a, a problem. I'm just saying like I, like I never really, and there's probably one you can pick out, but I just think my point is that like it kind of picked at a lot of different things. It picked scabs in society, it picked at scabs in society that people like. Without really, like, focusing on any single one. There's a lot of little things where it's like, oh, yeah, that is kind of fucked up. Like, or, oh, I didn't think about it that way. Like, a lot of those little things as well as just, like, m- there maybe the bigger theme is, like, you know, self-developed superheroes and things at the time. But, like, it is a very society, you know, politically, well, not even politically motivated, but, like, political, social motivated stuff. And I think this show so far is doing some more thing where it's just, like, there's not – I'm not picking up one overarching theme of like, this is a show about police brutality or about no, whatever.
0: No, I don't. But uh, but I think that, I mean, the overarching theme of Watchmen, the, the comic, was a deconstruction of heroes and heroism. And, um, you know, what does it mean for like, Ozymandias saves the world by murdering half of New York? Yeah, and lying of and, and lying to the entire world but he saves the world and the comic makes it very clear that he like that yes what he does actually does bring about world peace right um and the comic asks you to think about what that means and the comic then also gives you Rorschach, who in many ways is kind of an ideal of a hero, this uncomprom- uncompromising, believes in justice, um, you know, will stop at nothing. But on the other hand, he, in, you know, his uncompromising quest for justice, uh, might lead him to undoing world peace. Right. Um, because he, he wants to expose the, the hoax. So it wants us to, th- so I think, at the core Watchmen wants us to think about that. And it, and, and with the kind of the black freighter, uh, comic within a comic that runs through it is, is kind of a microcosm of that because it's about this guy who goes crazy, thinks he's killing all the pirates and being the hero when in fact he's just murdering his family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then that's your microcosm of this, like, well, what is a hero and what motivates people to do heroic acts and, uh, is what they're doing even heroic, um, etc., cetera, et cetera. I don't know what this is going to do. I don't know if its goal is to deconstruct heroism. I hope it isn't because we did that already. I hope right. it has something more to do. Uh, well, not necessarily more, something different mm-hmm. to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like at a good place because I feel interested in you know that trap. What the, what the answer to that question is, right? The theme, what the show wants to say. Mm-hmm. This is clearly going to be something. Oh, yes. Or maybe a couple things. I think things. it might have something to do with race. You think? I wasn't sure. <laughs> uh, but I'm also, like, interested in just the, the actual story. Like, I... Oh, yeah. Know, clearly, we've got a mystery going on that's going to be interesting. Clearly, it's more than just, like, the 7th Cavalry just strung the sky up. Like, whatever going on with Osman Dei. W- what do you think's causing those squids to fall out of the sky? <laughs> like, uh, that scene was gross and cool. Yeah. Uh, and also pe-
0: interesting that they really went out of their way to point out like this is a sequel
1: to the comics not a sequel to the movie right and they mentioned trans-dimensional attacks yep and you know still a distrust for document happened but not from you know not from what happened in the movie um there's already a lot of speculation that perhaps the government is dropping all those squids uh basically as a reminder be like yeah remember the squids yep don't forget all so be cool, <laughs> Yep. everybody say cool or the squids come back, uh, yeah, so i I'm just I don't know, I'm really curious, I did not expect this to be capturing my interest and in everybody else's apparently uh, yeah just, I mean
0: it just they they do, they did such an amazing job of capturing the tone and the feeling of the Watchmen comics um into a movie it's it's such a great job of that um it's, it's, it's been, it's been very impressive. Um, and you know, there, there was, there's, there's little things about like the very deliberate, um, you know, other people have written about this. Like if you, if you look at Watchmen, um, every page is broken out into these exact same nine panels for the most part. Um, and sometimes, sometimes they'll stretch them a little bit, but you really never get, um, it, it, so, so the, the, uh, The visual storytelling has a, has an incredibly measured and distinct rhythm to it in the, in the comic. Um, and that is kind of goes hand in hand with the ticking clock metaphor that goes throughout the entire comic. But the show has done a very good job of making the pace feel it has that same kind of measured pace as the comic and it feels very deliberate like the comic like i am showing you these things on purpose in this particular order for a particular reason and and it it has that feeling to it and just the sense of dread um you know and all of the little visual cues like every time they remind you of like the smiley face with the blood like in episode 1 where she's cracking the eggs into the bowl yeah i'm like a- as it's happening i'm like you motherfuckers you mother oh my you fuckers and how like the one the one egg that's like the 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 left eye has like a little bit of blood in the yolk i'm like you sons of bitches um but just reminding you of these things and using the clocks and doing all that stuff to draw attention not only to the ticking clock of the show but to remind you of the comic and it all feels very intentional and it doesn't feel like the stupid little winks and nods that you see in other superhero stuff of like, huh, oh, I get it. I know that name from the comic. How about that?
1: Yeah, you're right. It's it's like and there's little there's little things everywhere, you know, copies of Under the Hood and all these yep. different things like. But it feels like I said, it doesn't feel like remember this. Remember yeah, it, that. It just it
0: feels like a, a, a lived in world that has been that has had superheroes in it for
1: 100 years. Yeah. And just and, like little things that, like, as well, just like when they're in, like, the police ship, and it's like, oh, it's like the owl thing. Yeah. Just ship. But it's like, that makes sense. If someone, like, would, like, I mean, I guess the opposite weaponize is like to, I mean, turn that into a thing that police use. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Like, yeah. And we're gonna, live,
0: lived in is the best way to describe it. The night owl is there. Night owl is going to come back into this story one way or another. I mean, we keep seeing his gadgets popping up a lot. Mm -hmm. But also, there's a lot of owl-based imagery that we keep seeing.
1: Yeah, a lot.
0: Like, uh, There's a mug at one point. There's a mug in the first episode.
1: Girl's costume in the second. Yeah,
0: and a couple other just like decorative owls in places. Mm -hmm. And again, given how carefully this show apes a lot of the style of the comic in the way that like the comic love to plant little visual hints of things um, throughout it, that yeah, we are... Night Owl
1: is going to be important one way or another. And really, that's the only characters that are, like, I don't think, I don't think Dr. Manhattan will be important as a character. No, I think
0: at this point he is a force of nature. Right. I mean, I think he's going to matter in the story, but not in the way that, like, what he wants and thinks is going to matter. Yeah. Um, Um,
1: But I think, you know, because the only three characters left, really, are Osmodeus, Silk Spectre, and Night Owl. Night Owl, right, because... Yep, that's right. So everyone else was either dead or, yeah, Um, a metaphysical being at this point. So, do you have any, like, now this is fun, we get to do it, we were just talking about it last time, Game of Thrones, like, oh, maybe we won't do this anymore, you know, is, but it now seems like, you know, HBO has committed to a, a weekly release schedule, Disney Plus is allegedly committing to some variation of that, Hulu has pretty much doubled down on that for the most part. Uh seems like outside of Netflix, most of the other companies are kind of shying away from it for some, it could be good or bad reasons. But for us, I think we both were saying how we missed that to a degree. So in that spirit, do you have any predictions? Of for Watchmen? Yeah. Like what's going to happen next? Like who's behind the the death? Like anything? I don't think we have enough pieces yet, but I, I really don't think we have enough pieces yet. And I think the, the show really
0: wants us to be thinking about is will, hooded justice um because you know we get that shot of him the very first shot of the show is him watching that silent movie about um essentially some wild west version of hooded justice Mm -hmm. um and then uh the first thing he says to um sister knight when he's like being crazy old man outside her bakery is do you think i could lift 200 pounds she just ignores him and it's like you mean like the weight of a full grown man to put him in a tree. <laughs> yeah. Which is a weird thing to say before that guy is even dead. Um, but I think that the fact that we spent a lot of time talking about Hooded Justice and not fully knowing who he is or what well was, um, and his identity was never revealed mm-hmm. in the comic, um... And, but also the clothes he's wearing in the present day is the same color scheme as the Hooded Justice we see in the comics and in the uh, American Hero story.
1: Mm -hmm. I hadn't picked up on any of that. But
0: that also feels like maybe a bit of a red herring. Yeah, could be. But clearly there's something going on. Like he's, he, you know, there's more to his backstory than... We're being led on to, and he and he's got friends in high places. He gets pulled up into what I, I'm thinking is an owl ship. I would have uh, to
1: assume something similar.
0: there at the end, like friends in high places. You mean like the Minutemen?
1: <laughs> yeah, you mean like Night Owl, maybe? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. It so it just seems like the show is setting that up. Um. Mm, interesting. So I don't know if it's a fake out or if that's just going to be what it is, but um. I think that we're going to uh um that's something <laughs> either yeah. e- they're either setting that up so that we can so that they can twist it on us or that's just where we're going um but I think there's really so few pieces to put together now I mean what are what is the 7th cavalry planning you know why are they getting watch batteries to build some kind of bomb interesting that it's watch batteries given the importance of watches and clocks mm. in the Watchmen lore so far. Um, I wonder if we're going to get a, like more of a villain at the heart of the seventh cavalry, or if it's always just going to be a bunch of masked guys and we're not going to get a big boss for them, which I think would be interesting. Um, I really hope we learn more about looking glass. That guy is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, aesthetic design of that character is unbelievable. Mm hmm. Um, the the uh, Tim Blake Nelson, the actor, is doing a hell of a job with making him simultaneously terrifying, but also relatable and kind of
1: vulnerable. Yeah, like he, he like he could go like the it would have been really easy to take that character and like, a oh, he's the emotionless robot guy. Yes. You know but clearly he cares about people and like has opinions and he's and just he's, like a weirdo. <laughs> and he's this, and he's this interrogator and, but like
0: the the show also does a really cool trick where, you know, you see this guy and like, if you had to imagine the voice that would come out from under that mask, right. Mm-hmm. Would you expect it to be a guy who talks like this? <laughs> you know no. what I mean? Like yeah. they do a really, it's such a neat, trick they do of just kind of playing with your expectations and um uh and just subverting subverting Little things of just what you expect from this guy and then you expect him to be this cold and calculating and he reads people and it's his, you know, and he's this master interrogator. But he's also like, you know, he's he's clearly got feelings and complexity and um, and you also feel like they do subtle little things where they indicate that the mask and thus his hero identity is kind of a burden for him. You know, it's clear mm-hmm. he doesn't like wearing that mask. It doesn't look comfortable, you know?
1: Yeah, but at the same time, he had it on at home by himself. Right. Weird. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> but then also a little like, bit he's of like, like a... S- sweating under it, and he's like...
1: Yeah. Kind of tugging at it, and yeah. And like... Nice touches. They also, it's sort of, it does in some way echo Rorschach a little bit, like some of uh-huh. his personality. Like, he's kind of, you know, cold and detached, but also like, seems pretty loyal, you know, like... You know, like this guy's a little fucked up, but also like he seems like he's got her back. Like you know what I mean? Like in the same way that Rorschach kind of treated the other Watchmen, right? Yeah. Like, uh, like he died for them, probably, even though and, he's kind of kind of a fuckhead. <laughs> and there's
0: a clear parallel between the mirror mask that just reflects your own face back at you versus the Rorschach mask, which is what do you see in it? You know, right? And it's it's like it's a weird mask over like essentially street clothes, right? Um, there, yeah, there's very clearly drawing a parallel there. Um, I just can't wait to see where they're going with all this.
1: Yeah. It's, it, I'm just still very surprised, but I'm excited because it's something good to watch. Um, you and, know, I, I was planning to re-up HBO anyway, because I, I think I want to watch, I don't know when it comes out, but I want I think I'm think I'm going to give this, his art materials show a shot. Yeah. Why not? Um, because I've never actually read those books, but I know a lot of people who, who have, that really like them. And, uh, I it looks it's got a good cast and stuff, so um, might as well. One more thing about Watchmen. I think Red Scare might be
0: my favorite <laughs> superhero <laughs> concept. Yeah, in that like I just love this. Like it's so lazy but so good. Like he's just a Russian guy who wears like a red tracksuit and a ski mask, <laughs> and he's called Red Scare. I mean, some, <laughs> so yeah, good. someone
1: calls him a Nazi, and he's like, "I'm a communist, a fucking communist." <laughs> <laughs> Um, Uh, I would like to get, I would like to, I hope we get a little more of, like, the state of geopolitical relations. Yeah. Like, what are, like, what's, what do the U.S. and Russia actually, like, do? That's very good, yeah. um, I did find it, I I don't think this was in the comic. I might have missed it if it was. It's been a long time since I read it. But, like, when they mentioned that, like, Vietnam is a state. And I was just like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Was that in the comic or was that something they extrapolated? I don't.
0: I don't know. It's just Cause we. Well, no, awesome I think idea. it was
1: because we we won Vietnam because we had Doctor Manhattan, right? I just don't know if they had elaborated. That it was like that. They not only was it that we won Vietnam, but we seeded it no, as part I, of the United States. I think States. at one
0: point, I think there might have been a line or two in the comic of just you okay. know, uh, you know, oh, Vietnam was the fifty-first state, and then Cuba followed, or something like that. But. um yeah. No, there's a yeah. lot of interesting things there. Um, but I like I it because like
1: they're they they're like approaching the the alternate history and playing it out be, because they're also like understanding the real history, like mm-hmm. including the Tulsa massacre and then the propaganda that Germany sent during World War One. Like that was real. They did that.
0: Yeah. Like no, those are real I, things. I, and apparently that that letter is word for word, like a real propaganda yeah.
1: leaflet. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> and like they were lying like that was not from what I understanding of some reading about it today. Like that's not how that's not the truth. of No, I pre- don't think the Nazi, Kaiser.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't pre- think the Nazi Kaiser Germany. was all that willing to let, you know, African-Americans into Germany, but on but the other hand, not
1: wrong. <laughs> yeah. Not, not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I assume we'll probably get, if we get more of this format of probably slowly revealing who will is, Mm-hmm and as well as i think you know, i think when we get i think the third episode is now time to reveal another point of view character and i think that'll be silk specter maybe
0: so i'm not the, sure the um the preview we int- we it looks like silk specter is going to get introduced into the plot I, who knows if it's you know how how to what degree she's going to be a main character um the senator that was at Judd's funeral Mm mm-hmm. mhm Looks like that he is going to become he's got something going on. Like, Keen, we do, right? That's his name. I, I don't Keen? remember, but yeah. that um but he's gonna be have something going on. And then um the kind of piratey cop hero girl that was piloting the owl ship in episode oh, yeah, one, yeah. she's getting a lot more screen time in the preview. Mm. I think I think her name is Pirate Jenny. <laughs> but I don't know I don't know what that I mean, like I don't know if it's just they're just putting her in there, or if if she's going to become a more important character,
1: it's tough to say. What'd you think? I I didn't get to ask before we move on. Would you think of like the fucking weirdo clones that Ozzie Mendeus made? Oh, I kn- I knew that
0: there was there was something up with them the minute like he's having they're they're giving him the cake and uh the guy hands him a horseshoe to cut the cake with. I was like, oh, these guys are robots or clones or
1: something. Yeah, my first thought was robots, but I should have thought that like, well, no. Ozymedeus is good at genetic stuff. That's like what he does. And so should have thought clone. And then when he fucking roasts that guy alive in the fucking container. Yeah. (laughs) Like so weird. Yeah. Um,
0: Jeremy Irons is a good pick. Jeremy Irons is never a bad pick. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, I'm very curious to see where they're going with him because it would be fine. It would be absolutely fine if Adrian Veet descended into madness post- watchmen right yeah totally fine totally in keeping with this character what would also be totally fine and totally in keeping with this character is if he's got another bonkers ass scheme (laughs) it's true and and i'm 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 totally good with either one of those um
1: yeah i could totally see on almost unconnected plot line that's just we get 10 minutes of him each episode of him just like the weight of what he did just drove him fucking bonkers. Right.
0: Cause you could cause because there's a couple of ways to look at these. You know, you could say that, oh, this is just they're just teasing us a little bit of his story and it's gonna meet up with everybody else's later on. Or this could be like the Black Freighter, and this is just some allegory for the larger story. Mm. You know, because you could also say, Oh, well, the American hero story is we're gonna get scenes from that each episode, and that's the new Black Freighter, you know. Mm. Um, maybe it's the story.
1: Who knows? It's nice to not know for once.
0: Oh, it is nice to not know. I can't wait for <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm glad I'm
1: going to look forward to and, Yeah, uh, I guess we'll we'll be discussing at the end of episodes like this um, moving forward. I think I think we have to. Unless it gets bad, we might just drop it then. But I don't think we will. <laughs> we <laughs> didn't drop Game of Thrones when it got bad. This thing would have
0: to shit the bed hard um, to get bad. But anyway, yeah. we've been talking for more than two hours now. Woof. So I think we got to wrap this up. Yeah. I and
1: mean, we only did half of the things on our list, so.
0: I know. i got so many more things on my list. We'll talk about more stuff later. We will. All right, guy. All right. Have, have a good night.
1: You too. Leader.